Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastical with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my guests to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes, their memories, their experiences, and they get to collate their fancy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. We are now on episode number 96, just four away from the big 100. We are now in July, the second half of 2022. The year is flying by. And before we start this episode, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to my last guest in episode 95, the wonderful Laura Jane. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and give that episode a listen. Laura was a fantastic guest with a great lineup, and that was 95. But like I said, this is 96. And I'm delighted to introduce not one, not two, but three guests this evening that I am delighted to have on the podcast. They are all from the awesome band who I'm sure you've all heard of, The Heavy North. So ladies and gentlemen, I've got keyboard player Steve, I've got singer Kenny, and I've got guitarist and producer Yose. So guys, welcome to the Fantastical Podcast. Yeah, thanks Hello. a lot. Hi, Steve. Thank Thank you it's so nice to have uh, all of you here joining me. I'm so excited. I love the Heavy North. I love kind of what you guys sound like and, and your attitude and the tunes. It's, you're a great band, and we'll talk all about the band uh, throughout this podcast. But before we do, gents, let's, I guess, start with Kenny. Kenny, how have you been, mate, over the last two years? I always like to find out about my guests. So, Kenny, how have you been? <laughs> I've been sound, you know, yeah. I can't complain too much. Keeping busy. I'm a, I'm a key worker, so I worked uh, throughout. So, but um, but yeah, it's great. I've been uh, we've been enjoying ourselves with the bands, even though we haven't been able to get out and gig as much. We recorded our album over lockdown, so um, so we were able to meet up, you know, as and when when it was well allowed. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's pretty sound. I, I can't complain too much. I I actually enjoy spending a lot of time around the garden and just chilling out anyway. So. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad too uh, bad for me. It was just a shame not being able to get out and gig, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, or was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you guys are making up for lost time. And we'll talk all about your upcoming tour and that fantastic album shortly. But what about you, Steve? How, how did you find the last couple of years? How have you been? Yeah, it hasn't been too bad to be fair, Steve. Uh, I mean, I'm one of the lads in the band who does some of the social media stuff for us. You know, when I can. So I think during the lockdown, we took the opportunity as a band to kind of utilize that as best as we could uh, whether that meant like some of the online streaming events and stuff like that or uh, even us uh, as ken said working on the album so i think during that that kind of lockdown period uh, and particularly that 18 months when there was quite a lot of quite uh, consistent lockdowns and, and restrictions on us we were able to still be productive as a band i'm quite grateful to have that opportunity because i fully appreciate not a lot of our bands can even be yes during stuff like that let alone record an album in in jose studio um, so I think the uh, the kind of skill set within the bands was uh, was utilised where, where uh, to, to the best it possibly could be. And what about you, Jose? How, how have you found the last the last two years? How, how have you been? Uh, all right, it was hard at first because uh, obviously no one could come to the studio and make any music for about three months, three four months at the beginning. So uh, so but that gave me the time to write some tunes, <laughs> which was great for the album really. So um, I had the time to just to sit down at home and, and just write some guitar parts, send it to the lads. Uh, Kenny will bounce them back to me, etc. Or send it to others and say see if you can work out parts, etc. So it was good for like the writing uh, process in that way. In terms of work, it was a bit rubbish at the beginning until the tears allowed to start bringing like one person at a time in separate rooms and then start working some writers and then slowly getting more people in the studio at the time. And, you know, but it, it was a bit weird, but you know, it's gone quite quick. 
I have to say, and now we're full back into full-on work, which is great. And how did the Heavy North come to form? Was it kind of two guys knew each other and another two guys knew each other and everyone kind of met and paired up? Or did it start from an idea from, from one of you guys and it's led to this? How, how, did, the, how, did, the band, how did the band form? And I guess any one of you can, can take this question. Yeah, well, me and, me and Jose um, were in a band previously called Jacoby. So we've been playing together probably for like the last 10 years or so, something like that. And then Steve, I've known Steve for years. Me and Steve were in one of like our first ever bands called The Shores. And I'm, you know, I'm talking like a really, really long time ago. And I always used to, t- basically, ever since he stopped being in a band with me, I've always tried to make him be in a band with me. But he's always been, he's always been like, you know, committed to other groups and stuff that he's been in. And then, like, so just, we were at one of our friend's weddings. And I see I seen him like at the end of the night. I was half cut to be honest. And I just went over and went, Are we gonna have a jam or what? And it was <laughs> He just he just um, recently left the project that he was in, um, the Wicked Whispers, um, all out there disbanded. So yeah, so we, we arranged to actually get him down to Jose's studio, show him what it was like and then um yeah, and then the the rest kind of fell into place from there. Andy, our bass player, I used to work with him and it, he used to be I used to, I was always impressed by his enthusiasm. He'd always come in and go, Oh, I've get on this, I've, I've I've written this new tune or have you heard this band? He's a boss, and he'd always been like really enthusiastic and wanting to talk about music. He, he was playing in a band himself at the time, but he was a guitarist, and uh, we wasn't looking for another guitarist at the time. We were after a bass player, so we gave him a crack on that, and uh, yeah, we haven't looked back since. And um, Jose knew Marco from um, getting him in for sessions in the studio. And then, so, yeah, Jack. Jack. And like- then Jack, yeah. Well, yeah, I've got to, I've, we've got to make sure we remember Jack. Jack was in Jacoby <laughs> a while ago with me and Jose. And then, obviously, we were playing together for a couple of years with uh, the Heavy North as a five-piece. And then, we well, I've, I've always thought about beefing the sound up a bit. Um, I'm give, giving me the opportunity to play a little bit more acoustic as well when we gig. So I thought bringing Jack in would be a good addition. And so far, so good. <laughs> he's, been, he's been great. And he's a boss lad as well. So, you know, yeah, it's all good. Always helps. Always helps. And what about this kind of the songwriting process? So it's quite... Like you said, the six of you in the band, uh, if I'm right. So, how does that translate? How do you write tunes? Does someone do the music and comes into the studio with it, or do you all contribute, or do you just jam and see where it goes? How, how does that process work between it, the band? It, it varies really. A lot of the time, I'll come up with just like a basic idea, and I'll send it off to Jose. Jose will flesh it out a bit, and then once it's fleshed out a bit, we'll take it into the studio and let the lads, you know, see what they think of it and see you know, what they want to play. It's not a case of, you know, we tell them what to play. It's just that this is the idea. It's fleshed out a little bit and, you know, put what you want down on it and see, see what we all think. See see what kind of vibe it gives off. Because we, me and Jose, you know, we could go in with one idea and by the time everyone's put the bits down, it's, you know, it's crew legs, wings and an head, you know what I mean? Turns into something completely different. But that that's how it is most of the time. Sometimes we do just have a little jamming and take it from there. But yeah, but obviously since lockdown and stuff, we found ourselves writing more, like me and Jose just bouncing ideas off each other and then putting it to the lads, just because it's been easier to work that way when we, when we haven't been able to be in the studio as much. And in terms of, I guess, all the tracks, I mean, was was what's, what's the end goal? I mean, you've just released a fantastic album that we'll talk about, but before that you were releasing quite a few singles so was it always the plan to just release as you go and in and in get an album out there what i guess is that what it was all leading up to the release of the album um eventually we just wanted uh, well we wanted to build a fan base 
whereby it could justify bringing an album out. Because, uh, you know, there was there wouldn't have been any point as releasing an album when there would have been nobody to listen to it, really. So we were just giving people a taste of what we were about. And, and you know, we were still, we were still growing. We are still growing now and evolving. But, yeah, it was just really to try and build a little fan base to, you know, justify the album. Otherwise, we'd still be sitting here with every single album we paid for and bought and not sold, not, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it worked quite well in the, in a sense that we we sort of put some singles out there in like late 2018, followed by um, a couple of tracks throughout kind of summer 2019. So like kind of June, July onwards, we released uh, some good loving, which was our kind of first track where we did a music video for it, uh, and that was actually filmed in the basement uh, of the building where Jose's studio is. So we essentially just kind of piled all our gear in a lift took it downstairs and I managed to film a video um, in this basement area. So that was July 19. And I think that was a kind of big kind of lift for the band around that time. And then um, when lockdown happens in March, we kind of got our heads into the game to think, how oh, can we kind of keep ticking over during this time? We'd already recorded a couple of tracks by that time as well. And we just filmed the music video. In fact, lads, it was when we recorded the um, the video with Dan in Video Odyssey for Lying to Yourself. We record, I think we filmed that in like February and then the lockdown hits us in March. So we had a few few tracks recorded and some videos good to go as well. And that led us to really start debut vinyl um, EP. And only a four track uh, EP it was on, on Just Vinyl Alone in December 2020. So I think getting that initial, as Ken says, building that initial fan base and, and that kind of demand for it first was a big driving force for us. So once we started getting a bit of momentum with that first Die Bar Blues EP, um, that naturally led us to to kind of utilise Jose's studio and, and, and our kind of pace at songwriting really as well and kind of knocked the album out between kind of 2020 and, and, and finished it in like July or August last year. And the album's recently come out, Electric Soul Machine, well done, gents, on an absolutely storming, stomping album, a fantastic album that's from... What I can see has gone down absolutely fantastically. I mean, how happy have you been with the reception to the album? Has it surprised you how well it's done and how well it's been received? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we 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 knew that it was going to be good. Um, <laughs> so we knew that we knew that it was going to be a, a good album. But and and to be honest, we've got some really really good people supporting us. So we all. We always knew it would get a great, a good response, but how, how it's gone, you know, how, how it's gone and is going, is really great. And hopefully, it well, I think I'm, you know, can tell from the Spotify and, and stuff like that that it's it's getting to a lot of different ears, which which is really great. And it's it's nice, it's something to be proud of, and it's you know, it's nice to have it out there because you know it's been a long time coming, especially through lockdown and stuff like that. And it fuses, to me, your music fuses quite a lot of different genres, a real bluesy genre, some rock and roll, some classic soul, rock. I mean, where are your influences coming from? What do you, What are you guys influenced by? It seems like there's a lot of different influences going on within all your tunes. Yeah, there, there is a lot of different stuff. I mean, me and, I'd probably say me and Jose are uh, similar, I'd say, in terms of music, what we're into. Yeah, like, yeah. We love, like, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, John Mayall's Blues Breakers, uh, Black Keys, Rolling Stones, Sabbath, yeah, a bit of Black Sabbath. And um, Andy, Andy's into the quite, um, he loves like Joy Division and stuff like that. And um, who else does he like? Who else does he like, lads? Andy. 
he's, he's into like his funk as well. Now he's, he's getting more into bass, um, like you know, both peck, he's crazy about uh, Joe Dark and bass player, both peck, uh, that he plays with other people, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Even poppy stuff as well, he likes, but you know, it's quite, quite you know, a big variety because Mark, as well, our drummer, is he's yeah. really into like heavy stuff as well. He, he loves metal as well, and you know, yeah, we call him yeah, he, yeah, Mark's definitely the goth out of the band. Um, <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, similar to Jose and Ken in a way, uh, a lot of the bands up there, um, Ken and Jose mentioned then, I'm big fans of. And I, I know Jack has brought um, his, his kind of um, sound to some of, the, some of the newer tracks as well and some of the, the live performances. And I think me and Jack share a lot of similarities as well. He's into um, a lot of bands I was into, like um, Black Velvet Motorcycle Club and some of the um <clears throat> some of the older 60s garage bands like uh 13 foot elevators and i think yeah, yeah. Well, um as i've as i've kind of progressed as i've got, got older i've gone into that, that 60s stuff quite a bit so i mean you've obviously got the stuff like uh like you know the the, the hendrix and your beatles and your, your stones of the 60s but uh, it was some of the more obscure kind of psychedelic garage stuff and for, for yourself, Stephen, and for some of the listeners for there's a great compilation i was speaking to jack about at the weekends which is called nuggets and it's essentially like it's a it's a d- double vinyl or, or, or a four side um, album compilation of very obscure kind of sixties psych numbers, and they are class. Some of them are absolutely bastard. But bands like the Electric Prunes and the Seeds and stuff like that. Not a lot of people would necessarily know them, but I, I would recommend them. And I think, um, particularly on the keys um, for the heavy north, I, I try, try and bring a, a little bit of that kind of sixties seventies vibes with some of the Hammond sounds and stuff like that. And hopefully that comes across in. In a in electric soul machine and and our music as well, mate. Yeah. yeah, and just before just before I forget as well, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of um, soul influences like uh, Otis Redding and Sam Cooke, Sam and Dave, people like that, and a lot you know yeah. a lot of blues as well. Yeah, that really comes across, and it's great to hear you talk about so many different influences because that fuses so well into your sound. I love the shout out for Thirteenth Floor Elevators because I had Mike Badger on about six or seven weeks ago and he mentioned uh, the 13th floor elevators which was a bit of an eye-opener for me and i know that about the nuggets compilation and you're right steve it's a it's an amazing uh compilation full full of uh hidden gems so electric soul machine is out it's gone down really well so well in fact that you had a tim's twitter listening party which for me looking on from the outside that is a hell of an achievement how did how did that actually come about um, well, we, we've got to thank our um, our, our mate and, and, and kind of manager, uh, Dan Potter, who was um, a chap who got us involved with Twitter back in the beginning of the lockdown, really. And I, I've said it a few times now, uh, I remember being in the studio um, just on a, a normal year, some night with the lads, and saying that we got a message through um, of a lad called Dan, asking if he wants to be involved in um, a DP happy hour, which is like Dan's equivalent of a listening party. On Twitter, so it was essentially just um, a, a music fan who started this kind of Twitter movement, and he picked up our track "Lion to Yourself" of the Die Bar Blues EP, and he said, "Lads, I'm going to do this thing on Twitter where you hit play on Spotify and yeah, everyone listens along, and we kind of tweet about uh, about the music." And uh, at the time, we didn't really utilize Twitter um, as a band as a heavy north. I mean, I think we've always done quite well on stuff like Facebook and, and, and Instagram a little bit, but I wasn't really into Twitter myself until that kind of started. And then suddenly that kind of opened a whole new kind of world and audience for us. And as Ken said before, our music has reached new ears 
along the way. And so Dan, um, over the past kind of course of 18 months or two years, I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying, he's, he's built um, a bit of kind of momentum and a bit of influence behind some of his, his kind of, he's a bit of a tastemaker, if you know what I mean, um, amongst some of the Twitter communities. And Dan um, is, you know, we, we, I'm sure I speak on behalf of the lads, we class him as a mate now, because uh, and he, he's, he's uh, an absolute gem of a lad. He managed to kind of interact with, with, with Tim and the listening party, party account. Um, he'd done um, a listening party um, with Tim Bear just for an act called, um, is it Brown Bear? I think? Oh, Brown Bear, yeah. 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 And then Dan got, got in touch after Electric Storm Machine came out. And of course, at that time, we were mates. So we'd given him previously the album. He's been down to the studio with us as well. And you said, um, I'm determined to get his on boys, determined to get us sorted. And ultimately, he delivers. And I think, uh, yeah, we were really appreciative of Dan to open that listening party audience to us. Because, I mean, I think for, for what Tim was doing, he did really carry a lot of kind of music momentum through the lockdowns. And for us to be asked for our debut album to be featured on it, right? It was, uh, yeah. I mean, I was quite busy on my Twitter that night. I'm sure I'm not to say I was. It, it was burning me head out a fair bit, like. But it was, um, it, it, it was all worth it, mate. Yeah, it was a boss opportunity. Yeah, great to see. Great to see good things happening to good people. So, you mentioned earlier during lockdown, it was hard because you couldn't gig. Now, obviously, lockdown has finished, and you are gigging. Obviously, you headlined the sessions uh, about two weeks ago. That looked like a great night from everyone. I've seen the video clips. You guys went down the storm and played a great set so you've done the sessions uh and also you've got an upcoming tour in september we have yeah so um we're taking our album on tour um in september from the 15th of september all the way up to the 24th um and essentially we due to the manufacturing uh, delay in vinyls we weren't too sure when we'd actually get the physical album so we originally um, scheduled a few tour dates in April this year when we kind of originally planned to, to put it out. But due to the delays, we just weren't sure when it was going to arrive. And originally the manufacturer, I think when me and Jose were working with the um, with, with the manufacturers and the, the kind of shipping agencies, they kind of said it could be like August when it comes out. So we thought, well, worst case scenario, let's book a, a, an album tour for September. So, um, yeah, we're playing um, all over the UK in September. So, yeah, if you've heard our music or you, you, you like what you've heard so far, come down and catch us live because, uh, you know, I think hopefully we, we can do it justice. Yeah, and those dates can be found on your social media pages. I guess let's give a shout-out for your social media pages. So, we mentioned Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So, I'm taking it, you can be found on pretty much every social channel that there is. That's it, Steve. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're across the board. Just It's basically at The Heavy North um, and it's theheavynorth.com for all our kind of tickets and merch and videos and releases and all that kind of stuff. And I think that, that um, uh, we were quite fortunate there wasn't a band or, or there wasn't a thing called The Heavy North when we when we started <laughs> the band. You know what I mean? It's, it was kind of one of those things where um, it was one of the few names that we didn't laugh at when we came up with it. And then knowing yeah. that it wasn't actually a thing at, like at The Heavy North. These are kind of words that we just kind of strung together and it sounds all right yeah um, and, it, and it's hard coming up with band names as well because we've got like most things that you say makes you sound like a massive dickhead <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like the t-birds or something off greece <laughs> i feel like i've got to come back to the sessions quickly that that seemed like a really positive life-affirming night my twitter and the fantastical twitter was just a buzz with everything that was going on i mean how did you guys find closing the oh, night oh my god it was amazing I, I, I was actually proper buzzing for about three days after we got back 
everyone like this community is just so nice every everyone's really supportive of each other if anything we were we were good at that because we we were supporting cast um at a festival in Middlewich beforehand so we missed a lot a lot of the acts that were on so we only we were made we, we were made up we got down to see the shed project but you know there was so much so much that we missed throughout the day but it was just great to be there and be part of it you could you could you could feel the emotion in the room and like it was really really nice and um yeah it feels like we were rock stars we walked in everyone's so happy to see us and yeah absolutely brilliant and i can't speak highly enough of all the people that were there yeah seemed like a great night and like i said it seemed like you guys went down really well and you know the live uh, element of your music seems like a great thing to go and watch and i'm sure your upcoming tour will be very busy with lots of uh eager fans waiting to hear your music so i guess we've talked about kind of where you've been let's talk about your own influences and what you guys are listening to at the moment so jose what, what are you listening to at the moment mate what was what's, what's floating your boat oh that's a tough question I'm, I'm i'm listening to a lot of different things a lot of um i was listening today to the raconteurs again uh because Funny enough, I was trying to catch up with Glastonbury on the on you know on the internet, you know the catch up because I haven't seen any other gigs. And I was watching Jack White yesterday, and I remember I went to the gig. Uh, well, just before lockdown, I think. No, Kenny, did you come in, Kenny? I can't remember now, but I think I went with a few mates in the and then we went to watch him, and we I always liked it because of the fuzzy sound that he's got. It's just just great. Um, the band that I listen a lot lately called the Record Company, kind of like sounds, you know, you know, type of type. The type of music that I like to write as well, just blues as well, mixed with a bit of, well, I could say a bit of soul, but it's more bluesy. But uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club as well, but Jack uh, put me into them, and I've been listening a lot to to, to the albums that they got, and they're great. Um, John Mayo, but that's Kenny's fault as well. So I'm addicted <laughs> to John Mayo, the Bus Breakers now, with Eric Clapton, Peter Green. So a bit of old stuff, a bit of new stuff, and then a lot of... Um, Local bands as well, because they send me demos all the time. Because when they want to come and record in the studio, and then the, the you know the music that we make together as well, I put them on my Spotify. I got a playlist just dedicated for that set of bands that I work with, and uh, I put them as well in the car. So a bit of everything. Famous people, not that famous, old school, new stuff. You know that type of thing. Great way to be. What about you, Kenny? What anything you're listening to at the moment, whether that's new or newer or old at all? I'm I'm always I'm always all over the place because I'm, you know what I find really good and I don't know whether it's cool or not but you know um, on Spotify it's got you discover weekly so it generates like tracks from stuff that you've been listening to what it thinks you'll be into so I, I really like finding new I find loads of new stuff on there and what I do is just add it to me like tracks and then just go in and just you know I find some find some like really cool obscure tracks especially like old soul stuff but. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard because it's only like the odd song here and there, so I don't even know what half of them are called. But um, but yeah, I listen. To, I find a really good, um, really good bands um, who are local as well. Funnily enough, one of my mates is in them who we who know from uh, Kirby in Liverpool. Um, a group called uh, Professor Yaffle. Like dead, like really cool, like laid back kind of thing. Yeah, they're really good, and I always enjoy listening to another band called The Cubicle from Liverpool. Really growly voice like sounds a bit like captain Beefheart. yeah it's probably cool yeah great stuff and steve what about you any any differences to what kenny and jose have said um not a lot to add except um i went to um that primavera festival over in barcelona the other week and i'm watching some of the live bands there that i wasn't that familiar with 
It's made me listen to a lot of that over the recent weeks. So bands like Fontaine's DC, heard a lot of boss things about them, but never really kind of listened to them. Watched them live, uh, absolutely fantastic. So I've been checking out their uh, their latest album on, on Spotify. And I think um, a band which uh, Ken introduced me to um, last year was a band called the Black Pumas, who are fantastic. Very kind of solely blues, um, American American bands who were, who were absolutely boss. So I've been, been digging them recently. And um, there's a couple of bands who um, I've been listening to who were playing with us on our September tour. So there's a bands from um, from Liverpool called Casino, um, who've got a real good kind of soul '70s vibe to them. They're uh, quite young lads as well, and they're quite new on the scene. But um, we played um, a festival last week, and they were on early during the day. And I saw a video from it, and they, they're absolutely boss, and were made up to be. Um, supported by, by the casino lads at our Liverpool show on the 24th of September. So, yeah, I think a little bit of mix of some of the older bands, like I said before, Steve, that Nuggets compilation. Um, I got to speaking to Jack about it over the weekend. We were talking about the elevators. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do always love dipping back to some of that 60s and 70s psych, psych, psychedelic stuff. But, um, but yeah, the some of the newer bands definitely check out Casino and, like I say, Black Pumas, who are, who are massive. And I do quite like the, the Jack, Jack White's latest album as well, The Fear of the Dawn. And, and like Hosey said before, so it's Glasto, Glasto set, the surprise set then. I mean, he, the, the fella doesn't look like he's aged at all since the White Stripes. I mean, the blue hair is a bit mad. I, I don't mind it. But he is. That's because he's an Evertonian. Probably <laughs> Brilliant. So, a lot of cool stuff's been mentioned. I guess this is the part of the podcast where you, you it might be not so cool stuff gets mentioned with first records. So, let me take you back, guys, and I want 100% honesty here. Kenny, first record that you bought, what was it? <laughs> oh, you know, I think it was a pretty fly for a white guy by offspring. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I didn't know that one. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Jose? Yeah. What, what, was, what was your first record? Do you remember buying it? I think, well, funny enough, when Kenny said that, I, I, I never, I, I didn't know he wasn't to them. It was Green Day's Dookie, I think it was. The first, it was is, is that the first album? Probably. can't remember right now. Yeah, like a cartoony. Yeah, cover, cover, yeah. And then Basket Cage was in it. So Basket Cage was a single on the radio. And I was like, wow, what's that guitar? How did you play that fast? And then I, get, I got into that. And what about you, Steve? I remember the first two CDs I owned. Um, I remember getting a CD player. I remember actually going up to Woolworths. I remember Woolworths. Uh, <laughs> and buying um, two, my first two albums. One was um, the Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem. And the other one was um, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavoured Water by Limp Biscuit. And I remember coming home, it was it was just before Christmas on my birthday with these two CDs. And what something I remember about it was I like opened up to like the C D inlay. Like back in the day when you used to get CDs, they had like a booklet in them as well, and they had all like lyrics and stuff like that. I remember sitting in the back room, I must have only been about, I don't know, 13, 14 at the time, sitting in my back room, trying to learn all these rap lyrics and, and rapping over Limp Biscuit and Eminem. But yeah, um, not not ashamed to say there that they were my first kind of two CDs uh, that I remember listening to. But uh, I don't Wearing remember the particular baggy pants. Which? <laughs> Wearing the baggy pants. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, with a skateboard under my arm and a chain down my jeans, yeah. That was, uh, you know, that, that was me. You know what? I've just had a, I've just had another thought that's came into me, as, and I don't. I think off well that offspring pretty fried for a white guy. That was my first single, 
So the first album that I bought with my own money was um, Chef Aid of South Park. (laughs) 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 With chocolate salty balls and all that. That's genius. I'm surprised you guys haven't started like a new metal off tribute band somewhere as like a side project. I'm sure I'm sure that's, that's, that's where the soul comes from, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So this podcast is all about people coming on collating their fantasy festivals. Are you guys big big festival fans? I mean, I've loved watching Glastonbury at home, but I must confess I've loved watching it from home. There's a certain <laughs> feeling it would be to be there and watch McCartney play with Springsteen and Grohl and everyone in front of you, but at the same time, it's nice to literally turn the telly off and go to bed uh, under under yeah. your covers. So, what 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 are your guys' thoughts is on a uh, on festival? Yeah, I've I've been I've been to Glastonbury a couple of times. Been well, been to a few. Been to Tea in the Park. Been to Hop Farm. Been to Why Not? Yeah, I don't I don't mind a festival. Although I'm starting to as I'm getting older, I'm starting to like the idea of glamping. <laughs> and 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 I've also I've also turned into a bit of a diva where I'm like, no, I'm not going unless we're playing it. What about you, Jose? Any, any? Are you a big fan of festivals? Have you been to many? I, I was when I was younger. Uh, when I lived in Spain, uh, South South Spain, um, it's, it's good because you've got well, Spain in general because the weather's nice, so you you got guarantees sunshine and and you know hot weather. Some of them are by the beach, which is quite nice. Uh, some others are like super hot, so um, so you have to drink loads. And, uh, and in England, yeah, I went to Hot Farm with Kenny. It was a, a great experience to remember. And Glastonbury, I'd love yeah. to go. Uh, I'd love to go with my kids if I can uh, at some point in the future. But yeah, uh, it doesn't appeal to me about not um, being able to shower for more than a day. So um, so yeah, but you know, isn't the plan? Because I like them to see yeah. you know how festival is before they, they start going with their mates. So at least they got yeah. a little experience. Well, I'll just let you know, Jose, um, what you don't see on the telly at Glastonbury is everywhere stinks of shit after the first hour. <laughs> Regardless of where you go, everywhere stinks. So is <laughs> that the people, do you reckon? Yeah, well, you know, how many people does it have? About 400,000? It's a lot of shit. Yeah, all, all farting a few times during the day, so it creates a bad cloud in there. <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Steve? Any any big festival experiences that you had? Are you a fan of festivals? I am, to be fair, Steve. And I think um, I'm probably more like a music fan first and a musician seconds, really, because I, I didn't really, particularly with the keyboards um, for the band, I didn't really start playing that until um, my kind of early 20s, uh, playing keys. But, yeah, big festival going, mate. Um, I, I've done Glastonbury about five or six times, Primavera, uh, in recent years, because, like Ken says, you kind of get I get to an age and I just go, you know what, I can't be arse camping anymore. And the idea in, in Prima, it's obviously it's a city festival, so you kind of like stay in a, in a hotel. So, boys, again, no spoilers. So that's the festival elements covered. But what about gigs? So without spoiling, Jose, do you have a favourite gig at all? One that you look back on and you just think, wow, that that was the nuts. Wow. Uh, oh, I can't remember right now. I mean, I've, I've been to so many. Um, probably mm, I went to see Metallica once. <laughs> And I was a big fan at the time, and uh, it blew my mind because I've always been listening to that when I was first learning playing guitar. And all I wanted to do is like playing solos fast, and you know, and then play a race like really fast as well. And then I'm a bit gutted that I wasn't born in um, in the past because you know I would have loved to see Jimi Hendrix, you know, because he's my total favorite idol. 
uh, on guitar. And um, Kenny, I think Kenny got to see Peter Green uh, and a whole fan. That was, you know, that, that would have been like an amazing gig to see. But yeah, probably like, you know, any anything like from Metallica to the White Stripes, Arctic Monkeys was pretty good at the time when they started. I thought they were quite good, even if it's like more like indie type of rock. And um, yeah, I think I saw Eric Clapton from the distance once because I couldn't get him, but it was outside, so we could just stay outside from the fence. <laughs> but that was amazing because I was really, I've mean, always been really into blues. But when I started listening to albums, my dad had a Jimi Hendrix album and an Eric Clapton one, and then obviously some Spanish flamenco stuff that they liked at the time. But uh, I thought how different they are and you know how amazing the music is as well. So that's type of my thing. Great stuff. And Kenny, do you have any gigs that you look, look back on? Yeah, um, first time seeing the Rolling Stones in um, Stade France was amazing. We went down, it was a boiling hot day. We, we, we got the, one of them package deals, you know, where you get the hotel, the flight and, and, and your ticket for, for the gig. And our mates got the same, like got them through the same company, but on a different order. And we went in and they ended up got, they got sent to the nosebleeds, like, you know, miles away. And we're, like me and my mate, boo, we're just walking and we ended up on a red carpet. <laughs> we just we just kept showing our tickets and we were in the circle at the front, like the small circle. It was amazing. So we're like right next to the stage. It's absolutely boiling in the middle of Paris. And then um, the support act comes out and we you know, we wasn't sure who was on with them. It was a stereophonics, just as they brought uh, Madame Helga out. So uh, they come out, you know, Mary, Mary, where have you been? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was Axel Rose doing an impression of it, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was sound. And then Keith Richards walks up with a fair coat over his shoulders, playing Brown Sugar. Oh yeah, amazing! Great, great stuff. Yeah. Steve, do you have a, a favourite gig, a tour gig you look back on? Well, I think I think Kenny just stole me thunder there because I was going to say the Rolling Stones there by in Glastonbury um, a couple of years ago, and I, I was in the crowd for that one, which was amazing. Um, I've seen some, yeah, some incredible bands over the years. I think it's not technically a festival, but um, a live act, which um, I, I need to mention tonight. Um, I, I remember seeing James Brown live. Um, he supported the Chili Peppers um, when I was probably about 16, 17. Um, and I think we went to a stadium in Manchester. It was one of the outdoor ones. And James Brown supported the Chili Peppers and made the, the show was incredible. He had like a little hype man who came out in like a white suit and was like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you soon have James Brown and the band are playing while the fellas kind of talking over it. So, I mean, he probably played about half an hour and James Brown only sang for the middle 15 <laughs> minutes of it because he was getting such a big long in show and a big long out show. But it was in, in his latter days, to be fair. But I think as a, as a kind of spectacle, the Stones at Glastonbury, yeah, an absolute big highlight. And yeah, James Brown to put my chili peppers back in way back when. Uh, and I think uh, just the last couple of notable acts, um, I saw um, I saw Jay Z headline my first Glastonbury I went to in 2008, um, and he was supported by Amy Winehouse, so she was like second on the bill. Amy wasn't the best; it wasn't the best performance at the time, but being able to actually see it in person and and her band kind of perform was amazing. And then the Jay Z um, headlining Glastonbury was a bit of a landmark moment for the idea of like a, a rapper headlining Glasgow. And I think something which 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 made a boss for me personally was like being in the crowd there towards the front, seeing the big screen, and Jay Z walked out to like an intro of people like Noel Gallagher and some outspoken people saying, um, "Hip hop at Glastonbury, you know, it's, that's that, 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 that's that's not not a festival, that mate. You know, rappers shouldn't be on on the main stage 
And now since then, look at how many kind of rapping hip hop artists have uh, have done the main stage. Um, even Kendrick Lamar at Glasgow this year, and you've had Stormzy and, and all that. And just uh, yeah, I think that stands out for me as a, a landmark kind of music moment to be to be at a fezzy for. Yeah, that was a great show. I remember he came out to Wonderwall in the in his chains yeah. and made a mimic of it. Yeah, really great way to come out. And Kendrick Lamar on Sunday at Glastonbury was phenomenal, an amazing artist, and he uh, he was great. So you've mentioned so many great acts already. You've all had some amazing experiences and are into such a different genre of music collectively that's going to be really interesting to see where your fantasy festival goes, which is the whole point of the Fantastical podcast. So Jose, Steve and Kenny all get to pick their fantasy festival and combine it into five acts who are going to get five time slots. So very simple. In the last episode of the podcast, for example, like I said, I had Laura Jane on and she collated her Music's The Law Fantasy Festival. So in her opening slot, she had Rag and Bone Man making his Fantastical debut. In her super second slot, she had went with Panic at the Disco. In her Midway Madness slot, she went for Pink, which is a great shout, actually. First time she's ever been picked for a fantasy festival. In her pre-headline act, she had Skid Row playing their debut album, Skid Row, which is another great shout. And for her headline act, one that I didn't see coming, but a great shout nonetheless was Bastille. And for her encore, she had all her five acts come back out and play Into the Unknown from Frozen 2 as a collective. So you never quite know where the Fantastical is going to take you, uh, which is part of the reason why I love this podcast so much. So, gents, I mean, normally I have one person on, sometimes two. This is a, a trio of collective fantasy festival from the heavy north. How difficult has it been to agree on everything? Because I imagine you've got very similar tastes, but also very different tastes as well. How difficult has it been? Hey, I don't know. I don't even know if we've agreed yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, before yeah. I, I guess before we talk about your acts, we need to give your fantasy festival a name and we need to hold it somewhere. So have we got a name for your fantasy festival? Do we know what we're calling it yet? Go on, Jose. You tell them, lad. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm the worst one with names. You know, one day we were discussing the name of the band. I was like, mm. Kenny was saying, "What about this?" And I went, "Yeah, sounds cool." And Steve would say, "What about this one?" So, oh, that sounds cool too. <laughs> so, I, can't, I, I can't really say a name for a festival. Uh, I can name a fantasy band if you want. Um, or, well, um, you know. just to put it out there, um, an obvious, obvious one for our combined kind of fantasy festival would be um, like a, a Electric Soul Festival. Yeah, that'll do. That's not controversial at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah, it. I know, I agree with that one. So we've got the Electric Soul Festival, and we can hold it anywhere you like. We can go to Manchester, where we hold the sessions. We can go to Merseyside. We can go to Anfield. I don't know what, what who you boys support. We can go <laughs> to Goodison. We can go back to Spain, Jose, if you want to take us to Spain. We can go anywhere you guys want to take us. So where, where, where do you Let, want to hold Let's go to Spain. Let's go to Spain with Jose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go to Spain. It'll be nice. On the south, in the south, about May, June, just perfect temperature. You can enjoy that on the beach. Brilliant. All right, let's let's go to the beach in Spain, May, June, get some nice weather in, get some rays. So before we talk about the five acts who hopefully you've agreed on, are there any acts who haven't been mentioned yet and who aren't going to make your fantasy festival, but nonetheless need a shout out from you boys just to say how much you love them and sorry to them because they're not coming with us to the Electric Soul Festival in Spain? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because not everyone can go. Sabbath aren't going, I don't think. Probably won't. Jose, what do you think yeah. of Sabbath not going? I'm, I'm a bit gutted. I don't think uh, o- o- Ozzy can take it anymore. 
So Ozzy and Sabbath, they're not coming. Unfortunately, they miss out on electric. So, so I guess let's talk about the five yeah. acts who are coming. So two o'clock in south of Spain, lovely day on the beach, sold out. Everyone's there who you want to be there. Drinks flowing for people who want to drink and soft drinks are flowing for those who want soft drinks. Two o'clock. So who's going to open the Electric Soul Festival? Yeah. I, I'll, I'd say the Kinks. Great show. that'd be a great opener. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spain, sunny afternoon. Busy. I've seen Ray Davis at a festivals before. Absolutely amazing. So yeah, I think that'll be a crack and opener to a Fezzy. Good, good party. Yeah, yeah, we're all in agreement with that. Great show. You've mentioned a few tunes there that, that you'd have to play, Kenny. Any other tunes that you'd want to, that you have to hear within that hour that leap oh, out? Oh, um, yeah. Lola, 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 Lola. <laughs> I love, um, I love um, Dead End Street uh, by the Kings. That's one of my favourite tracks uh, by them as well. And I still think to this day, I don't know if it was just me, I think the Dead End Street video was what inspired the importance of being idle by Oasis. Because like, that um, you can watch the, um, the the Kinks original video for it on YouTube, but it's like it's a it's a black and white video. But you, you'll see what I mean. But yeah, definitely want to hear that one if uh, the Kinks open our festival. Great show! I think you could definitely hear some of the Kinks in Oasis or certain Oasis tracks. So the Kinks make their second fantasy festival appearance. They're going to be your opening act, and they're going to open Electric Soul Festival. They're going to play from two till three. Then we'll get to the super seconds act from half past three to half past four. So, gents, who are you going to have to follow the kinks? Right, I've got one, but it might get... And maybe, I don't know about the headliner, but, you know, I could throw this one in there. Definitely, well, if I could go back in time, I'd like to see Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, but maybe we bring in someone with them as well to play, you know, like a, like a special guest, you know, the way Mac... They were like Stevie Nicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peter Green with Stevie Nicks. Yeah, but imagine that the blues, Peter Green, but then you know with the with the later lineup as well. So having you know like rumors kind of you know vibe, but getting Peter Green to play some blues solos over it, a bit really good one, I think. All right, going to allow that one then. So Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac are going to take your super second slot again. Second time they've been picked on the Fantastical podcast, so they're going to play for us in the sun in Spain from half past three to half past four. We're going to take one more break. And that'll take us to our Midway Madness slot from five till six. So, gents, two acts down. Time to pick your next act for Midway Madness. Jose, I imagine this might be a guitar band if you've got if you've got a metally band. But, guys, who are you going to have in your Midway in your Midway Madness slot? Oh, it's going to be something with a bit of bite in there. But because it's fantasy, it's going to be some. For me, fantasy festivals are the ones that they are not playing anymore. Because I, 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 I think, like, without interrupting you, Jose, I think one which we'd all agree on was it would be Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And I had one for the... Oh, just, I, well, OK, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and again, an hour is uh, not the longest time for Hendrix to play. So any tunes that you're going to have Hendrix, Hendrix has got to play within that hour that you're going to specify to him that you need to hear. Oh, I need to hear Purple Haze, Woodward Child, no. for sure. I think Woodward Child, yeah, yeah, Little Win, Hey Joe. Yeah, all, you know, typical ones, you know, Foxy Lady, yeah. For me, he's one of the best ones. Maybe get because maybe get someone to play with him as well. Because like, he was mate with Eric Clapton, wasn't he? And George Harrison, and you know, on the big holes as well. So maybe like a special appearance huh? there. 
You're, you're, starting, you're, you're, start, you're starting to cross some boundaries here, Jose. I've got to be yeah, honest. Yeah, we've just got to have super groups. <laughs> that's, what, that's what our festival's going to specialise in. That's it, that's it. <laughs> so, Jimi Hendrix, he's going to be your midway madness act. Seventh time he's been picked on the Fantastical Podcast. One of the most popular guests and acts to play. So, three acts down, two acts left. The next act are going to be your pre-headliners. They're going to get slightly longer to play. They're going to play for an hour and a half from half six to eight o'clock. So, gents... Any names that you've got for your pre-headline act that you'd like to play? Come on, Steve, you can take this one. <laughs> I think just because I've, I've been thinking about it um, since I mentioned it earlier on the show as well, I think um, imagine the amount of tunes James Brown will be able to bring to the table there. But I don't think the lads would agree with me on that one, so I think we'll have to say for that kind of slot at a festival in Spain, I'm thinking The Doors. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, it sounds like James Brown is on the plane to Spain. It sounds like he's going to play there for an hour and a half. I mean, James Brown, a great artist, fourth time he's been picked uh, for the Fantastical podcast. Again, I look forward to him being introduced for 15 to 20 minutes uh, until he comes on the stage. That'll be a great shout. So James Brown takes yeah. a pre-headline act. So, gents, one more act left to go from half eight to 11 o'clock, your headline act. Hopefully this is unanimous, oh. but so far it seems that uh, it may it may not be. Gents, who? I'll, I'll, I'll leave this. I'm own. going for it. Kenny, you're going to go hey. for it. All right, Kenny. So who who are we going to have in the headline? The Electric Soul Festival. Pink Floyd. <laughs> so why? So yeah, for, like, Waters. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You can have the classic Floyd lineup. So. No one's mentioned Floyd yet. So loads of classic bands have all been mentioned, but no Floyd. So it seems yeah. like it's pretty straightforward choice for you guys. So why why are Floyd going to headline your fantasy festival? Just because they have so many songs that just that'll just take you away to somewhere else, like all the dreamy guitar parts with Dave Gilmore and stuff like that. And it'd just be amazing, and especially for some of the concept stuff, like um, Dark Side of the Moon albums, phenomenal, and and even past that, you know, the Wall. The wish you were here they've just got so many iconic tracks and just to be able to see that perform live at a festival oh i think i think it really touch you and you'd be on a you'd be on a different planet for about four days yeah be amazing <laughs> i think i think the only thing that that um that i'd, I'd want to see more of in that pink floyd's headline set would be a little bit of the kind of pipe at the gate of dawn sid barris kind of era stuff uh, as well as the the dreamy kind of um, latter stuff, like Ken says there, uh, because I think some of that early Sid Barrett stuff, you're talking, you know, yeah, Lucifer Sam, see Emily play, those kind of earlier tracks, uh, absolute belters. And I think, yeah, I think that, that that's something which we can all uh, all agree on from the Abbey North. Great shout. You want it, gents, you've got it. So Pink Floyd are coming to Spain. They're headlining Electric Soul Festival. They're going to give us two and a half hours of pure tunies and we're going to oh. love it. But at 11 o'clock, Pink Floyd are going to welcome back on stage James Brown, Jimi Hendrix, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac and the Kinks. And they'll get to play one of your That'd songs. That'd be some jam, no? Gents, they <laughs> can, you, can, you can have them play whatever you like. If you want to be uh, to have them play a, a song by you guys, you're more than welcome to. They can play anything they want to. So they're, the instruments are in their hands. All you need to do is give them the sheet music and go, right, boys, away you go. What are you going to have them play? Who's going to make the call on this one? This is a big call. Well, Jimmy Hendrix would say, take that paper back because I can't read any music, so just play it and I'll just jam over it. So, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. I don't know, probably have to be a Beatles song because we haven't mentioned the Beatles thus far, have we? 
not as it stands. So you want to be any any particular Beatles song you want all of them to play? What, do you reckon it like Helter Skelter or something? Something Beatles? I'd say, yeah, Sgt. Pepper's Jimmy Hendrix playing it. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah, that'll do, yeah. Um, opening track up, Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah. Great shout. So they're going to bring the Electric Soul Festival to an end. So I'm going to lock your fantasy festival in because I'm, I'm pretty sure if we don't, then it's going to be left open and people are going to kind of try and get more accent or less accent and swap it over. So, gents, we've got the Electric Soul Festival taking place in the south of Spain on a beach. In the open act, we've got the Kinks. Super seconds, we've got Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, but we are going to cross some timelines and get both Fleetwood Macs in there somehow. Midway Madness, we've got Jimi Hendrix, where Jose's trying to get clapped in out. I'm still not sure if I can allow that one, Jose. I'll have to come back to you on that one. Might be breaking <laughs> some rules here, Jose. James Brown is going okay, to be... All right. <laughs> James Brown in your pre-headline slot is going to be amazing. And in your headline slot, we've got Pink Floyd. And for your encore, they're all going to come out and play Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That sounds like an amazing fantasy festival to me. Are you, are you boys happy with that one? Yeah. I'm yeah, happy to pay loads of money to see that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd be honest, I, I'd be camping for that. Um, I never said before, I'm a bit too old um, to be doing the camping, but uh, for that kind of festival, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even need to sleep. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be yeah, I, w- I would leave in baby wipes for four days if necessary. <laughs> So before we wrap up this podcast, gents, it's been a really enjoyable episode. What does the next like couple of months look look like for the Heavy North? Obviously, the album's out and doing really well. You've announced a tour. What's what's the plan? How does the Heavy North keep driving forward? Where's it going? Well, we've got a few exciting uh, shows in the pipeline at the end of this month, at the end of July. Um, we're playing um, the Liverpool International Music Festival um, alongside some boss bands as well. A lot of them are Liverpool-based. So um, we're talking uh, the Zootons, uh, Red Rum Club, uh, She's With The Gun. There's loads of boss bands on there at the end of July. And that's our last show before we go on our headline tour in September. Um, as I say, kicking off in the 15th of September in Edinburgh. Uh, and that runs all the way through it, playing Glasgow, Newcastle, Hull, Birmingham, Newport, uh, London. And then we're finishing off in Liverpool with a big show on the Saturday, the 24th of September. And we're going to be joined on that night by a, a four-piece string quartet uh, and a, a horn section as well. And the intention is we're going to be playing the album up from start to finish. Uh, so that's our way of ending our Electro Soul Machine uh, tour with a big big massive fuck off hometown show <laughs> <laughs> that sounds incredible so that's going to be some weekend right because you've got london on the friday liverpool on the saturday so it's going to be an epic two nights so i guess what can your if no one's seen the heavy north before and lives in london or lives in liverpool and's going right i live near the area what can someone expect from from a show from you guys what what should someone go and expecting it's probably just the best gig they've ever seen in their life <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. Just think of the best gig you've ever been to, and times it by about fifty. And then, <laughs> and then, and then you'll get a you get a bit close, but it's still not enough. No, well, I think um, uh, I, I we can we can do the album justice. We, we, we're going to be smashing it. It's our first time performing some of these tracks uh, as a six piece band as well. And like I say, um, finishing on that that twenty fourth of September in, in the pool is going to be our big kind of epic tour closing uh, show so yeah hopefully um, some of them people who may not be familiar with the Heavy North Sound can check us out see, see if they can see it and come down to one of the shows in September Steve great shout and like we said you can be found on all social media sites so let's give the socials a plug again so that can you can be found under the Heavy North on Facebook 
Insta, Twitter. You can be listened to on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, anywhere you can stream music. Basically, you can find the heavy noise. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Well, all, all over the place there. And um, uh, one, well, one of the best places to see it all joined together is um, theheavynorth.com. Uh, you can see our tour dates and ticket links and all that kind of stuff there, mate. Great stuff. Everyone listening, go and check out the Heavy North, a fantastic band, and go and buy tickets for their tour because it's going to be a hell of a show. That Liverpool show on the 24th of September sounds absolutely uh, amazing and I'm sure it's going to be one that will be talked about for many more years to come. So that is it, everyone. Thank you for listening to the 96th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. And if you've enjoyed this one, please subscribe to the podcast. You can rate the show on Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, go to Rate Show. Give us five stars. That would be great because that really helps with the algorithms of the podcast. Same on iTunes. Give us a review. Five stars would be lovely. And don't forget to recommend this to all of your families and your friends. The Heavy North on Twitter, so is the Fantastical Podcast. So if you don't follow us already, make sure you do. Give us a follow at Fantastical P, as we'd love to hear from you. Unfortunately, on this podcast, we can't play music, but I'll get some tracks from Jose, Kenny, and Steve. We'll put together a nice little playlist, and we'll put that in the episode description, along with the Heavy North website and other links, so where you'll be able to find everything you would want to find from the Heavy North. So, gents, Jose, Kenny, Steve, pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been a, a trio of delights from the Heavy North. How have you guys found it? I really enjoyed talking to you. How have you found it? Yeah, absolutely great. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely love it, mate. Thanks, thanks again for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. And it's been, been much chatting with you and the lads. Yeah, it's been a pleasure having you guys on. Like I said, great band, great sound. I wish you all the luck for the rest of the album pushing and the tour. I look forward to seeing where the Heavy North go next so i'll be back soon in with episode number 97 so please make sure to join me but until then stay safe my fantastical friends please continue to spread the word and that word is fantastical thanks for listening (laughs) 